There are an estimated one and a half million guns in this country, and that's more per person than most other nations. Weapons users and collectors say New Zealand has some of the best gun laws anywhere, but others say that unless ownership rules are tightened up, this country runs the risk of increased crime and shootings. This RNZ Insight speaks to people with an interest in guns, their use and control. The police say officers, including armed defender squad staff, were pursuing the man's vehicle after the woman's death when he opened fire on them. It's unknown how many shots were fired. The police say... South Auckland principal says he feared for his students and staff after his school was forced into lockdown while the police looked for an armed man. The, armed defender... the police are hunting for a gunman after a shooting in Lower Hutt overnight left a man with serious injuries. The police have a property on Napier Hill under guard tonight, 10 hours after they ended their siege on a house where a gunman had been holed up. The tent siege dragged on... About 250,000 people are registered firearm licence holders, and they range from hunters through to collectors. With the total number of guns in this country estimated by police to be about 1.5 million, that means New Zealand has one of the highest number of weapons per person amongst developed countries. I'm Andrew McRae, and this insight investigates whether there's any reason to worry about the number of guns in this country, or is the number of firearms just the result of New Zealand's rural hunting, shooting and fishing way of life? Those at the front line are the people that sell the guns. One of them, a Te Awamutu gun shop owner, Dave Gibson, took me on a tour of what he has available. Shotguns, for example. A lot of guys, if they just get their licence or anything like that, come in and they want a shotgun, we have to ask them what they want the shotgun for. What are they going to do? Are they going to shoot rabbits? Do they want it for duck shooting? Do they want it for clays? A lot of different shotguns for different things. You know, like there's pumps, semi-automatics, under and overs and single shots, depending on what's, what, what they require at the time, you know. A lot of different guns. And a range of prices too. Oh, a hell of a range. Start off for from a brand new one you can get for say two or three hundred dollars, and then they go up to hundreds of thousands if you really want to spend the money. Well, let's look at one or two here, Dave. Um, this Browning price here at fourteen hundred ninety-nine. Yeah, second hand, probably twenty years old. Trap gun. Very, very good, reliable gun. And it looks in beautiful condition. Oh, yeah, they, most of those guys look after their guns. We actually sold a, um, one of this, one of, another one of this, this particular person who owned this gun, we sold his other one for $5,000, about 20 years on it. So if I wanted to go out there, say, hunting deer, for instance, what would you recommend? Then we get then we get it on to centre fires, mate. Probably the most popular gun in the country is a 308. If you're shooting in the bush, because nice big heavy pill branches don't deflect it, you know, like twigs and stuff. And as like a two, two, three or something like that, good for headshots, but hit something deflects really easy. But we have everything from people want to shoot bunnies or right up to tar and deer and whatever, you know. The Police Association's President Greg O'Connor is worried. One thing is clear is that we've now lost control of the number of firearms in the country. But Dave Gibson doesn't believe there are too many guns in circulation. There's probably an adequate supply of them, but there's... There's no use to saying I own one, one gun because you know a lot of people shoot rabbits, then they're going to need the gun for the shooting rabbits and they want another gun to do their deer stalking and another gun to do pigs, ducks, you know, so there's four guns for a starter, you know. 
and that's just uh, for the average old Joe Bloggs who just wants to go out and have a good time or get rid of armaments off his place, you know. I don't know. I've, I'm a collector as well, and I, I know I've got a fair few guns, but I'm not a gun freak. I just know what I like, you know. <laughs> Greg O'Connor doesn't think everything is all OK with the use and ownership of guns in New Zealand. It is too easy for criminals to get guns in New Zealand, um, and we want to know why. This has been highlighted by recent attacks and confrontations between uh, members of the public and police officers. These are sort of attacks that traditionally would have been probably knives, blunt weapons, but now, for some reason, these people have got hold of firearms, I suppose, culminating in Kaitaia, where we saw some 12-year-olds take a rifle into a dairy um, to hold up the local dairy owner. So the questions need to be asked as to why these firearms are all of a sudden so readily available to, uh, to those who would misuse them. Greg O'Connor's been researching firearm ownership and says it's become obvious that getting a gun, either legally or illegally, is too easy. Particularly um, Category A firearms, and secondly, how easy it is to convert Category A firearms, which is your basic standard hunting rifle, um, into a Category E firearm, which is an MSSA, uh, which is a military-style semi-automatic. So it's a pretty loose system. Others want the police to step up when it comes to enforcing rules already in place. Because we've had so little armed misuse in New Zealand, the police don't enforce them as adequately and financially as adequately as they could. The gun lobby Colfo was founded in New Zealand in 1996 by a number of individuals and groups, including the Deerstalkers Association, and is the largest voluntary shooting-related organisation in the country. It was formed, according to its website, to primarily combat what it believes to be firearms-related disinformation and to dispel what it calls inaccurate and emotive claims of self-proclaimed anti-gun experts. Its chairman is Paul Clark, and even he can only guess at gun numbers. Certainly one and a half million cartridge firearms I think is slightly conservative, but I don't think it exceeds two million, and there's most probably at least another million air guns plus out there. Why do we need so many? Well, it's like a golf, you know. You don't go around a golf course with one club. Also, there's a variety of shooting disciplines, you know, whether it's hunting and what type of hunting, whether it's deer or other four-footed game, small game, birds, competition shooting, and many people, myself included, partake in more than one type of firearms use. And that, and that also includes collecting where they don't fire them, but they do collect them. A small number of people have, have a vast number. It varies. I think the average person most probably holds about half a dozen, maybe half a dozen to nine. Then you get enthusiasts who most probably own several dozen. And then you get collectors that could own anything from 50 to 500, so to speak, including larger types of ordnance. Um, but they can't legally fire, but they can legally possess. New Zealand has a system that licenses the individual to own a firearm, but does not register each individual weapon. That means there's very little information about numbers or the whereabouts of any particular gun. Professor Kevin Clements is the director of the Centre for Peace and Conflict Studies at Otago University. He wants each gun registered to an owner. I think that it would be a valuable uh, initiative because that would then enable the state to know who had, I mean in terms of legitimate registered, uh, registered gun owners, it would let the state know how many guns each owner had. At the moment they don't 
Well, if you have a gun registration license, you can just go and buy as many guns as you like. Paul Clyde from Corfo is against returning to the days of registering weapons to owners. Nowhere in the world can anybody demonstrate that registering individual firearms has worked to reduce armed crime. It sounds good. It's a great theory. Nobody could make it work. The most recent example of a failure is the Canadian government spent over $1 billion Canadian and admitted after spending that amount of money on registration that they maybe captured two-thirds, maybe captured two-thirds of the firearms in existence in Canada. And if we go back further to um, Judge Thorpe's report, he personally thought that if you, when he wrote his report, that if you couldn't get more than 90, 95%, it wasn't even worth getting, getting out of bed to do it. And that was why the police in New Zealand moved from registering individual weapons to individual people to the system we have now because the system then wasn't working. And in all honesty, I don't think anybody would ever make it work. Colfo has an ally in the police association on the question of turning the clock back. While we have a nostalgic view of how well that system worked, apparently it wasn't working that well. It was a paper-based system, it was localised, and it was difficult, and a lot of firearms weren't actually registered. So a decision was made to register and licence the owner instead. And that system worked reasonably well at the time, but uh, one thing is clear is that we've now lost control of the number of firearms in the country. And just that alone has been interesting. I've uh, tried to get some estimates. Um, the Colfo themselves did some research, um, or the chairman of Colfo, which has it around 330,000 firearms brought into New Zealand between 97 and 2013. And just the recent customs figures have 500,000 firearms in the last decade, about 55,000 firearms brought into New Zealand a year. So there's the crux of the problem. There's lots of them out there. The National Manager for Response and Operations at Police Headquarters is Chris Scarhill. He says police are not overly concerned about the number of firearms as long as they are properly secured. Superintendent Scarhill believes the current system of registering the owner, not the weapons, is working. The experience both in New Zealand and overseas, there's really no evidential basis to believe that registering firearms on their own will actually reduce crime. Uh, the research indicates that illegitimate or illicit firearms are far more likely to be obtained uh, by theft, uh, plain old simple burglaries and, and the like. Uh, and hence why the current firearms licensing regime has such a strong focus on firearms security, uh, ensuring that firearms are appropriately stored and secured. And of course this leads into uh, having a clear focus on the owners, on the people themselves as opposed to the firearm. The police say there are no figures to release to the public about the actual number of guns reported stolen, as it isn't a separate offence, although they do say they have rough working figures they use for guidance. But Chris Scarhill does say that there is no clear trend up or down. This Waikato farmer who wishes to remain anonymous came home to find his 16 weapons stolen from a locked cabinet in his garage. I went away for holiday and um, 
had the boat sitting outside and when the people saw the boat go I guess they saw I'd gone and they must have had three people involved because somebody sat outside on a chair that had been moved and watched the house because there were lights on in the house over the over the night time period which came off and on and then they smashed in the back door and broke the glass and then got in and uh, then they obviously knew where the cabinets, where the guns were actually stored in the locked position and they also knew where the ammunition was and the bolts were in three separate, so each one was in three separate places. And they found a, um, an axe type thing which is a great big grubber and then they took to um, the locked cabinet and just forced everything open and then the actual locked cabinet inside with the guns were sitting in, they levered that open and um, took 16 guns, which were of various sorts from antiques right down to the modern um, 22s, the semi-automatics and things like that. So, yeah, rather, rather annoying. Greg O'Connor from the Police Association says officers are telling the union that they're stumbling over firearms everywhere. What's surprising us is this is not showing up in the crime stats. Um, which is not unusual. Um, often, um, by the time we notice th there is a problem, there is quite a lag in the crime stats before it actually catches up. So just since the 1st of September, um, we've just been keeping our own informal list of seized firearms in New Zealand. Um, and this is our members sending us in. We, this is by no means exhaustive. and um, We know it's not 100% accurate because we'll be missing a lot. Um, but we've got uh, 51 firearms seizures in New Zealand um, and 12 air rifles just since 1st of September when we've been keeping a record ourselves. Um, that's a lot of firearms. That gives some idea of just how many illegal firearms there are out there. You mentioned earlier on about incidents where firearms are being used and it's much more prevalent. Has that just sort of been more noticeable, say, in the last year or a couple of years? We ask different sort of sectors. For example, police dog handlers. They're people that go to pretty much every incident. They're the ones that are telling us, hey, there's a lot more people with firearms out there. And we talk to the arms officers. They say, hey, we're running out of storage space for storing seized firearms. So these are the little anecdotes that certainly make a little bit of a lie of the crime stats to, to a certain extent. And I, I'm afraid that what will happen is that we will have another David Gray out there. You might remember David Gray, he was a obviously a disturbed individual who was able to legally build himself quite a cache of firearms, which he used to deadly effect. At the moment, under our current legislation, if the David Gray is a licensed firearm dealer, or actually even if he's not, it's not much to stop him or someone like him from actually out there stockpiling the same weapons as David Gray had, including MSSAs, that's the military-style semi-automatics. Superintendent Chris Scarhills says the figures show that firearms-related crime has fallen over the last five years, but every now and then there's a blip with a spate of incidents. And look, I don't take away from the perception of individual officers that they may feel, any one of them may well feel that they are seeing more. Uh, I think we just have to be careful that we don't take any one perception or group of perceptions out of context. And hence it's really important to have a sound evidence base to be able to determine uh, what your trend is in that regard. Around uh, officers themselves coming across firearms, uh, look, I just want to make it clear that uh, whilst we don't have routine arming of uh, police 
obviously in New Zealand. Uh, the current policy uh, certainly mandates individual officers to be able to arm themselves at any point where they feel it's justified to do so. This country's worst mass killing was in Aramoana in 1990, when local man David Gray shot and killed 13 people before being shot himself by the police. Paul Clark from Colfo says while stolen guns do fall into the wrong hands from time to time, illegal weapons are also smuggled in. Those type of firearms are also smuggled into New Zealand, and if anybody thinks that you can stop the smuggling of firearms into New Zealand, or drugs, by the way, which are an even bigger issue, I think they are sadly misguided. I mean, I'm not saying it's desirable, and I don't, and I don't mean that, but to say that firearms and or drugs will never be smuggled into New Zealand is just an absolute pipe dream. So there is some sort of illegal firearm market in New Zealand? Absolutely, as it is in every country in the world. And if you've got enough money, you'll get most probably what you want, not necessarily legally. And it appears smuggling's an issue in its own right. Figures from New Zealand Customs show that since 2009, just over 4,000 firearms have either been seized at the border or intercepted coming illegally through the mail system. Over the last 10 years, about half a million guns worth nearly $250 million have legally been brought in. Most of the guns sold legally in this country are sold through dealers, and the weapons are imported from a range of countries. One Waikato gun collector I spoke to first got his collector's endorsement, allowing him to own a number of guns added to his firearms licence when he was 17, and at the time was the youngest ever to hold a collector's licence. He now has about 30 guns in his collection. They range from everywhere from uh, 22 calibre service rifles through to um, 7.62mm or 308. Your listeners might be familiar with uh, rifles and machine guns. What can be fired? Uh, a requirement under New Zealand law is that they have to be stored in an inoperable uh, condition and that's how uh, collectors like to keep them, so obviously that minimises the risk and um, collectors are all required to have a, a staggered or a layered level of security and uh, part of that, the, keeping them inoperable is a key ingredient of that. But they could be used if you make if them If you um, decide to make them operable, yes, they could, be, uh, they could be made to work, yes. So are collectors normally hunters as well? A wide variety. I wouldn't class myself as a uh, hunter, though I have um, been quite involved with culling, uh, particularly with dock, whilst a serviceman, etc., and still to this day. Uh, collectors are a bit hard to nail down. They're there for a wide variety. Most collectors are actually more uh, students of history, and there's a very, very heavy emphasis on that. When I started collecting, you belong to different clubs. You'd be expected to be able to present a dissertation on a firearm or a uniform or a piece of military equipment for a minimum of 30 minutes. Te gun store owner Dave Gibson says the horse is bolted when it comes to tracking individual guns, but he says there's a need to be careful. In the first place they probably should have had them like it was in the old days where everyone, every, they knew where every gun was. Now they do with anybody who's got an endorsement on their licence, they know who's got what and where and why. But as far as just hunting guns, no, we've had it, I'm afraid. <laughs> If someone came in and wanted to buy a gun, but you were a little bit suspicious of, of not so much well, their motive or their well-being, would you sell them? No, we don't. We wouldn't. In actual fact, we um, we've put a couple of people off because you don't think they're, you know, it's not up to us to say we can we can not sell them a gun, but they could go somewhere else and get one. But that's you know, but no, we would. There is the odd person that's coming where we've thought not. Nah.
they look a bit nuts. The police association is calling for a ministerial inquiry into New Zealand's gun laws and doesn't want to wait until a tragic event forces further scrutiny. And as I've warned and I've written to the hunting magazines to suggest that they back us on this because the last thing they want is an inquiry to be conducted in the wake of another disaster. We'd best do it now, find out why it's got so loose, why the criminals are finding it so easy to get firearms and uh, do something about it now. And what would you like to see come out of that? Coming out of that will be, firstly, whether the Act's working, whether the Act needs tightening up, um, and secondly, by any inquiry, would get people will, will very quickly work out just how many illicit firearms there are out there. Um, and once they do that, it's a two-phase thing, um, get in some operations in place to recover, whether we do that as a buyback um, or however we do it. Um, but secondly, have a look at the Act and just see what needs tightening. And I think the first thing, um, without predicting the result of inquiry, but I think it'll be a no-brainer that they'll start putting some severe restrictions on mail-order firearms. That, if nothing else, is, is, is a major issue. Um, you've got dealers operating out of houses um, in the back streets of counties Manukau um, with no premises. Um, all their trade is done online. Um, very difficult to police. And uh, we're going to have to also resource our whole vetting. Um, this is the question I do ask. Um, there'll be those listening to this who will be firearms users and, uh, and legitimate users who will be concerned that any such inquiry will impact on their ability to use their firearms. But I ask them this. How many people do you know that have firearms that you deep down know shouldn't? And when I ask that of most firearms users, they sit there blankly and instantly think of one or two people that they absolutely know shouldn't have firearms. And often those people have them legitimately. Um, if that's the case, something's failing in our system. Kevin Clements from Otago University's Centre for Peace and Conflict Studies supports the idea of an inquiry, as he says there are a number of questions that need answering. The reasons why people um, should have guns and have access to guns, um, I think it would be a very good idea. As long as it was an independent inquiry and as long as there was a bipartisan commitment to it, um, I think it could actually be very positive. I think it would. I think it, it could. Well, it would certainly work. I think if you had a detailed and um, a comprehensive inquiry into the numbers of gun accidents, the numbers of guns used in criminal activity, the numbers of guns and homicide and suicide. I mean, the, the other area of great concern, of course, are the numbers of guns that are used to kill people. I mean, for, for suicide. Um, that's much, much, that's much, much higher than the homicide rates. Um, I think it's important that we reduce the total numbers of weapons, that we know which weapons are, which are attached to which people, and that we have some clarity that the people that have got access to those weapons and are registered are, um, you know, of sane mind and, um, and good disposition, which probably most of them are. Um, and for those that are not of sane mind, that they, you know, that their weapons might be removed. Colfo's Paul Clark questions why an inquiry might be needed because he says New Zealand doesn't have a high rate of gun-related crime. Most of the people who own firearms are responsible. There's always going to be a few who aren't, but same with vehicles. Um, and vehicles kill far more people in New Zealand than firearms ever do. Um, remember that. And okay, it's put down as accidents usually, but it still happens. You're dead, dead is dead. Doesn't matter how it happens. Yes, I know that we could have another mass shooting. That's always on the cards. They need to think about this very carefully. I don't, you know, I agree mass shootings are not good for anything. But you can also kill a lot of people with a bolt-action repeating firearm, if you know what you're doing. And some people do.
Not that they want to, but they do know. So it's got dubious value in, in, in our thing. I just think better enforcement of existing laws in terms of more money and resources coming from the police budget would most probably achieve far more, more positively than a commission of inquiry. Superintendent Chris Scarhill was not convinced an inquiry is necessary. I just think this is a process of continuous improvement and continuing to look at how we can improve uh, particularly our processes around the firearms licensing and the whole framework that we have, how we can continue to tighten and make more robust the system around firearm owners. And we're more than happy to work with the association. In fact, I'm sure we'll be working with the association on that. He says a review of gun licensing is underway and will look at areas such as the training for potential gun owners and the age someone is first allowed to own a gun. Obviously a very significant responsibility to own uh, or even be in possession of a firearm. Uh, do we need to have a, another look at the age? I think there may be something in that. Uh, do we need to look at the the qualifications, the testing, the um, training that people have to go through to obtain a firearms licence? Uh, and I think the answer to that is yes as well. Uh, so this is all part of the continuing review that we are doing around firearms licensing. What that will look like in the end, I'm not sure. The Minister for Police, Michael Woodhouse, spoke at the recent Police Association conference in Wellington, where the question of firearm use was debated. He says while every incident involving firearms is serious, it's important to remember that of the thousands of incidents each year police have to deal with, those involving firearms are still relatively rare. New Zealand has a very low and generally consistent crime rate with firearms, which accounts for less than half a percent of recorded total crime. So figures from 2010 to 2014 showed that firearms-related crime accounts for just 1.3% on average of all violent crime, with recorded violence offences involving firearms having reduced by 12% during that period. The number of incidents attended by police where any tactical option is used and where the subject was in possession of a firearm accounted for just 1.5% of TOR events between 2010-11 and 2014-15. So when you look at the overall picture, I think there is still a, a low and reducing level of firearm-related offending. And one reason for that is that we do actually have a robust licensing and vetting system. Superintendent Chris Scarhill says he, for one, doesn't think the public should be worried about the number of firearms in this country. We attend hundreds of thousands of incidents every year and we have literally millions of face-to-face -face interactions with the public every year. And only a very, very tiny percentage of those actually relate to firearms incidents. And of those, uh, a, a fraction of those even actually result in firearms being used. So for the general member of the public, I don't believe there's any cause for concern. Uh, having said that, any firearms incident, any time a firearm is used, is, is obviously a cause for concern. And hence why we need to be constantly reviewing and monitoring what we are doing and what can be done better. Despite this reassurance from the police... The Police Association, which represents officers out there on the front line, will continue to call for an inquiry into New Zealand's gun laws. I'm Andrew McRae, and that's Insight for this week. 
If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that programme and it was produced by Philip Atolli with technical production by William Saunders.